What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. This week, we're talking all about how to use video in your business. I'm speaking with the founder of WadPrep, Ben Jawalski. Now, this interview was originally recorded in 2018, but it is still filled with super valuable information about how Ben has used his YouTube channel and video to really grow his business. So if you are curious about using video in your business, I think you're going to find this interview really inspiring. As always, you can get the links to everything we talk about in the show notes, which are at wellpreneur.com. And if you're just starting your wellness business, make sure to grab your free copy of our Start Your Wellness Business from Scratch checklist at wellpreneur.com slash get started. Okay, now let's jump over into this interview with Wad Prep founder, Ben Jawalski. Hey, Ben, thanks for joining me on the show today. Hey, what's up? Really excited to be here talk some knowledge bombs. Yeah, awesome. So we met in October in Bangkok at a conference. And I just knew I needed to have you on the show because you were talking about viral video and you're super involved in CrossFit and have a fitness business and everything. So I was like, you're so perfect. So let's kick it off by how would you describe what you do? How do you describe your business? So it depends, I guess, on how wordy I want to be. But the best description for my business is... I teach CrossFitters how to get better at CrossFit. So depending on the audience's uh, knowledge of CrossFit, I will then kind of go into some greater detail. But basically, uh, imagine CrossFit as a sport. That's how most CrossFitters treat it. They treat it not just, hey, I want to get in shape, but hey, this is my hobby. This is my sport. This is like what I do for fun. And also it helps me get in shape. And I help people basically take their performance to the next level. And I work mainly with, I'd just say like the general population of CrossFit athletes. I'm not like the super elite person who's trying to make it to the CrossFit games or, you know, the upper zero or 0.001%. I actually work with, I would call them the average Joe and I help them get better and just learn new skills and really just fall in love with the sport because they keep improving. How long have you been doing this business? So I've been running Wad Prep for, I guess it's about three years now. I started and then of course took, you know, like five months off because I didn't think I had anything going. And then I kind of rebooted it. But uh, since inception, it's been about three years. Right. Okay. So what do you mean? Like you didn't feel, did you hit like the slump? Like you'd been making all this content and stuff and you just felt like this is going nowhere. So you stopped? Or like, kind of tell us about that moment. Yeah. So it really wasn't, it wasn't that it was. So basically I came up with this idea to start Wad Prep because I'm actually married to my wife is in the U.S. Navy. And because of that, we obviously get to move around a lot or depending on who you ask, you're forced to move around a lot. So 
we had an upcoming move. We were going to move, or I had just moved from Maryland to Florida, and I was about to move from Florida to San Diego, and then from San Diego to Japan. And that's where I am now, and I have been for a couple of years. So when I found out that we were moving, I was like, oh man, I should probably figure out what to do that isn't like dependent on me being there in person. I need to do something that I guess I can travel because I just sold my CrossFit gym. I actually had a physical like location in Maryland. I just negotiated the sale for that and I was kind of in la la land. Anyway, so I started shooting some videos. I shot online uh, coaching videos for a particular online event that everybody in CrossFit does. So I shot some videos, had a decent response, and then I just didn't know what to do with it. I just kind of sat there for five months. I was like, I don't want to be just another online fitness trainer. Like I thought it was some special butterfly. So that's really what prevented me from doing anything for five months. I was like trying to come up with some incredible new app idea or, you know, I was basically like, I can't just be someone who teaches someone else, you know, via informational products or via online coaching. I don't want to be just another online coach. I want to be something different. So I just had that limiting belief for a while. And then it finally hit me. And it also might've been my wife, you know, hitting me (laughs) across the head and saying, Hey, Ben, why don't you just try it out and see how you like it? And if you don't like it, then you can decide something else to do. So that's why there was like a five month gap of me brainstorming business ideas on a whiteboard. And then if I finally came back to the realization of, hmm, I should probably just stick with what I did five months ago because it was working really well. And that's what we've done since. So did you, was that, you didn't want to do it because you were just like, oh, like everybody does that. That's so boring. Or did you think it would, there wasn't space for anybody else or like. It was, yeah, it was a combination of that. It was like, oh, there's already online CrossFit coaches, you know, kind of doing what I want to do, which was totally not true. There, There really wasn't. I just basically, as you mature and learn more about businesses, you learn how big the world is and how easy it is to carve out your own niche. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's kind of what it took me a while to realize, like, I was bouncing around. Like, I'm also a big fisherman. I love fishing. I When I went to college, I was on a fishing team there and did it really competitively for a while, like bass fishing. Most people at this point are looking at me like, what? You did what? But I was like playing around with the idea of starting a fishing YouTube channel. I was going to like document my trip to Japan and all the fishing that I would be doing, which by the way, I haven't done like any out here <laughs> because I've been working on one prep, but it was just like, I had so, I just had no clue what I wanted to do. And then it finally hit me just like, Hey Ben, you don't have to try to be special and different. You will be inherently special and different by just sharing the message that you sh- you know want to share and see who you attract and then go from there. And that's exactly what I did. So I just said, all right, I'm just going to keep doing what I did earlier and start making some more videos and and try to get people to pay attention to what I had to say. And then sure enough, it blossomed into something so much bigger, probably than I ever expected. Cool. I'm so glad you said that because in the audience, we've got a lot of personal trainers and health coaches and nutritionists. And how many of those are there in the world? Lots, right? And people always feel like, oh, well, is there room for one more? And I think what you said is brilliant. Like, yeah, there is because different people will connect with you and your way of presenting it versus everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. It's the one thing I'd say is 
you know, at this point, I've made some some decent like connections and I've met so many incredible people in the online fitness space that I am 100 percent convinced there there is more space. Obviously, there's not space maybe for everyone. But if you have a message to share, right, and you're not afraid to share it, eventually you're going to attract even if it's only 100 people, right? Even if it's only 50 people, you can, if you get a couple of them paying you for your advice, then you're in, you're taking a step in the right direction. And as long as you keep your messaging consistent and you, you know, people love just like being a part of something bigger than themselves. So if you can give people the inspiration, the motivation, or the knowledge, depending on, on how you coach, it doesn't matter if you're like everyone else, as long as you are you, people are going to be attracted to you and you're going to carve out your own niche. Um, you're going to carve out this, this core group of people that just love what you have to say. They love your coaching style and they're going to be the ones that are going to be your, your best and, and biggest customers. And you can truly build a business off of it. So tell us about how you've used video to grow your business. Cause I know that's been really big for you. Yeah. Video has been pretty much the only thing that has, you know, wad preps been about. So I like standing in front of a camera, not so much as I like ever like watching myself on camera, but I feel like I do better describing myself and what I'm trying to articulate. I do a better job on video than writing. Writing is boring to me. So when I started doing the whole coaching thing, I was like, you know, I'm just going to try releasing videos. So I've released videos on Facebook and YouTube for quite some time now. And somewhere along the way, I, I through an Instagram in there as well. And that's what I've done to pretty much build the entire WadPrep brand, all of my followers, email list. I mean, everything across the board, all the social media accounts. It's grown to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people on various channels and it's all been video. So pretty much my formula is I make a longer video, like in the five to 10 minute range. And I post that on YouTube and then I take a lot of times those same concepts and I make shorter, I call them viral ready, or sometimes I call them shareable videos. So essentially, like I make these short one minute or less videos that I'll post on Facebook and Instagram. And people really, really like that short nugget of information that they can apply. A lot of people make a mistake when, when they start coaching videos is they'll, they'll like, make one video to answer the questions that should be like a hundred videos. They like try to make the ultimate video for one particular topic. When really, when people are digesting content, they want one actionable item that they can implement. So that's like my one suggestion. If you are going the video route and, and doing coaching videos, just try to focus on like one or two key takeaways from each video or one or two key pointers that you're trying to convey in each video. And then people will generally love that. They'll be like, oh my gosh, I tried this exact thing and it worked for me. And now they're going to come back and watch the rest of your videos. Do you think it's just that people, they won't watch the longer videos or they just, it's too much information? I think they stop watching when they are overloaded with too much information. I think it's different. Like, so there's some really long videos on YouTube that obviously do really well. There's a lot of people who do the vlogging thing, which is more just like, a reality TV show. But if you're actually going on there and doing like coaching, there's a certain tipping point there where if you just get, if it's just too long and you're on like, all right, coaching point number seven, you know, it's like people are just like, oh my gosh, I can't, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to implement this. 
So I always try to make my videos focus around one or two key points. And it just kind of like, I think it just clicks better in people's head. And if they actually apply, it's one thing for someone to watch your video. It's another thing for someone to watch your video and then apply it and see results. If you can get them to take action and actually see results, then you're going to grow a very, very passionate group of raving fans. Like we get emails every single day saying, oh my gosh, Ben, I watched that YouTube video from whatever movement and it totally, you know, I tried that one thing that you told me to do and it totally transformed my, you know, blank, whatever skill they're working on. And it's just like, that is why we've been able to generate a bunch of really passionate fans. It's just focusing on one or two tips in each video. And they just know, they know what they're going to get when they watch one of my videos. It's not like this over this fire hose of information. I'm curious of your opinion on this because I've, this is, I guess, a concern I've heard from some people in, in my community is people will be like, oh, content these days, like you have to dumb it down so much. They feel like with blogs and videos, like you have to make everything so like spoon feed it to people. But I don't know, like I'm really, I'm I'm curious about your perspective because I, I don't know, I feel like people are so overwhelmed. Like that's why you have to spoon feed it to them because they're really yeah. too much information. But do you ever feel that way? Like, what do you think about, are we dumbing it down? I don't know. So yes and no. Right. My when I help people make videos and I give suggestions on other people's coaching videos, one of the main complaints I give them or one of the main pieces of of coaching that I give them is you need to be explaining to people like they're five years old. Now, that being said, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's not because you're it's not because I wouldn't call it dumbing it down. I'd call it simplification. So for me, like one of my coaching mottos is simple coaching is better coaching. Right. So as professionals, like if you're a fitness professional or just wellness professional, the amount of information that you have in your head about your topic is absolutely daunting to the person who works a nine to five job and only has 4% of their day, maybe less allocated to the topic that you allocate all of your day to. So I'm here talking about fitness and stuff like that for several hours a day. Almost all of my audience is thinking about fitness and learning about it for 45 minutes a day, maybe, right? So it would be a disservice to my audience if I came in and just spewed all of this like deep, crazy knowledge and and tried to like, I don't know, it's kind of like boosting your own ego. If you're like, oh, well, you know, I know about this, this and this, and you need to do this, this and this and try to make it all sciencey and technical and Sure. Like if you're coaching other coaches, that could be a great way to differentiate yourself. But if you're actually coaching the what I would call the average consumer of of content, depending on what niche you're in, it's really important to just make it simple. Give them simple takeaways. And what's cool is that, you know, when it comes to creating content and then eventually maybe getting someone to pay you for your services, you kind of there's kind of like a hierarchy. So a lot of my my free content are just like these simple like little teeny simple takeaways that people can say, wow, that video actually gave me some actionable advice. I'm going to go do it. And then when they do it and they see good results, eventually at some point they might purchase one of my coaching courses. And then if you get inside one of my coaching courses, we get a little bit deeper into the woods. And then hypothetically, if I had like a high level mastermind or something like that, where people could pay me for one-on-one coaching, which I don't have. But if someone could do that, then I would really get into the woods and be very deeply analyzing some of this stuff. But to be quite honest with you, like I wouldn't call it you're not making it stupid. You're making it simple. Mm -hmm. And simple coaching is something 
I'm going to butcher the quote, so I'm just going to make it up. Basically, if you can't describe something simply, if you can't describe something in a way that a five-year-old could understand, then I would argue you don't understand it well enough, right? So if you have to resort to this like really long explanations and like super detailed, like big words and technical terms and stuff like that, then I would say you actually don't have the understanding that you should to know how to describe something, that same high level concept simply to someone who isn't ready for all those big words. Yeah, really good point. You know, earlier you'd mentioned sometimes we do that for our own ego. Like we feel like, well, we know we need to prove that we're the expert and show all this stuff that we know. But uh, I've seen people that you will put out a video or something and it's so long and you think, oh man, I need to watch that later when I can have my notebook and really focus on it, you know? Right. And then like, when's anyone going to go back and watch it? They never are. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a really good point. It's not dumbing it down. It's just making it simple. So yeah. Um, so like, what's your content schedule like? So usually I try to release one YouTube video per week and my social media posting guy would probably laugh and say, ha, you're such a hypocrite because I don't always make that because I've been focused more on, I've been focused more on like the audience I already have instead of trying to grow my audience too much lately. But especially when I was first getting started, like this will be really good for people uh, just getting going is whatever you choose, make sure you can stay consistent. A big problem I see with a ton of people who are trying to, you know, be all over the place. Like I'm going to post on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook and make diagrams for Pinterest. And I'm going to do stuff on Google plus or whatever. I mean, does that still exist? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> so whatever you choose, the number one question you should ask yourself is where is my audience? Okay. Spoiler alert. They're probably on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And then uh, especially uh, if it's a more female focused audience, then, then Pinterest, I know is a big one, something I don't have very much experience with, but if you're going to choose one of those three channels or all three, regardless of what you do, make your posting consistent. The, the worst thing that I see is that people will get all fired up. They're like, I'm going to start a whatever, whatever channel. And they'll post three YouTube videos the first week and they're posting on Facebook all the time. And then two or three weeks go by and then they're just like, I'm done. I'm burnt out. I quit. Right. That is not what you want to do. It is much, much better to start and slowly, gradually build. So. I still just post one YouTube video a week and I usually post it like Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. I post one YouTube video a week and then on Facebook, we try to aim for one new video per week. Now, that being said, on Facebook and Instagram, you can recycle old content. So if you go to my Facebook page, uh, just facebook.com slash wadprep, W-O-D-P-R-E-P, you'll see we post a lot. And that's because Facebook does not care how many times you post. Even if you're posting old content, they actually encourage you to post old content. You can do it in just a couple of clicks from your publishing tools dashboard. If you, if you have a, a, an actual like page that's outside of your, um, your personal page, if you have like a business page, I mean. So we post five videos a day, every single day, five videos a day, every single day. And each one of those videos, like, every single one of them was one that we've already posted in the past and we're just reposting it because every single time you post it, Facebook will show it to a really tiny, small segment of your following. And they tend not to like Facebook is really good at not annoying people with the same video over and over again. 
They might not have figured out how to not show people political rants yet, but they have figured out how to not show people the same exact video over and over and over. So when you post, if you keep posting the same video, let's say I post a video on a Monday and then I might post that video a week or two later on a Thursday, that's okay. You're going to hit a totally different segment of your audience and Facebook's going to show it to different people. It's totally fine. So if you're just getting started, I would encourage you just try to do one new video per week. And then once you have like a, a general buildup of videos, especially on Facebook and Instagram, you can actually start reposting them. On YouTube, it has to be new content every single time. So you can't repost on YouTube, but that's just kind of the formula that we use. So, you know, Instagram, we try to shoot for maybe one every, every couple of days. On Facebook, we're actually posting five times a day. And then on YouTube, it's usually one video per week. And I guess that's not you posting it, right? You've got a, what's your team look like at this point? Right now I have, I just sent a message to 17 people, but we don't have 17 people. I'm, on any given week, I say there's 10 people that work, that do some work for Wad Prep. And one of them is the social media guy. Uh, his name is Trace, as in Uno Dos Trace. He's the man and he uh, lives in Alabama and he does all of my social media posting. So he just, I kind of like trained him on how I've been doing it for a while. And then for a little over a year now, he's been just following the script that I gave him and, you know, getting creative and making sure to keep posting it. But he's a CrossFitter as well. So he loves it. He gets to see the video, see all the new videos, get everything scheduled. And it, it works really well. I guess when you were first starting out and making the videos, were you doing it all yourself, like filming it, posting it? Like how? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what I'm always curious about is like, how long did it take before you released your first product? And then also before you realized you needed to hire somebody to help you? I didn't release my first product until after I kind of got back into it from that five or six month hiatus where I was, you know, contemplating starting a fishing YouTube channel and whoever knows what else. So what I did was, pretty much to prove to my wife that I wasn't just sitting at home on the internet all day. Cause she was really confused. She knew nothing about online business was just like, she'd come home from, you know, working flying helicopters and stuff. And she'd come home and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Cause she'd see all these diagrams on, on my whiteboard. And I'm like, don't worry, I'm coming up with an idea. I'm going to figure it out. So what happened was basically my email list got to, a few hundred people. And by the way, I'm sure people have heard this, but the number one thing you need to be doing whenever you start building any sort of channel is you got to start growing your email list because it's the easiest way to literally reach out to every single person who's interested in you on Facebook, on YouTube. They might not see it, but if you have an email list, you can send a direct email pretty much to everyone on the list and establish a good conversation. So once I had a few hundred people on my email list, I just decided what my first product was going to be. And it was a very, 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 very focused um, product about a specific movement. So I don't know if anybody knows what a muscle up is. A muscle up is like one of the most technical movements in CrossFit. Well, I decided to make a muscle up course. I sent a few emails to my email list and I sold like maybe a hundred bucks worth of this course. So I sold like four of them. It was $27 when I first released it. But that at least proved to my wife that I could make more than zero dollars on the Internet. And then from there, I just kind of scaled it up and, and grew and, you know, kept basically the more and more people that come into this audience, the more and more people that needed that particular course. And then, it, you know, I sent out some more emails. I got a little bit better at, at the whole like, you know, email sales thing. 
and not being spammy, but also not being afraid to sell, which I think is the number one hardest thing for people is most people are afraid to say, hey, I have this thing and I'm offering it for sale. A lot of people are really scared about that. So overcoming that barrier, getting some money in the bank, and then literally taking the few hundred dollars I made and I invested that into some software that allowed me to automate things a little bit more like my email list. And then as things continued to grow, I think I I launched a a second product at some point and that made some more money. And and basically I just have leveled up from there. And basically the, I'm trying to remember what was the first hire that I made. The first hire that I made was video editing. So I was doing everything myself. I was filming, I was editing the videos. They were horrible. Uh, They were so bad. But people don't care about the video editing as much as they do the content. So it's just another little nugget for people is don't worry if your video isn't pretty. If it has good content, people will care. So at some point down the road, it was about a year after starting and, and you know releasing a couple of products and just trying to make social content on a consistent basis. Eventually, I had a mentor of mine just be like, hey, Ben are you planning to edit videos for the rest of your life? Like, is that something you really enjoy every morning waking up and say, I can't wait to edit this video. And I was like, "Uh, no, I hate editing videos. He's like, all right, good. By the time we hop on our next call, if you don't have a a video editor, I'm firing you. Like I will no longer mentor you. And I'm like, oh gosh. So that's what I did. I literally took the leap of faith and I, you know, just like posted all over my Facebook and eventually found someone actually out here who, is associated with the military that was like, yeah, I'll, I'll try it out. I'll edit a couple of your videos. And I was convinced that she wasn't going to be able to do a good job. It's like, Oh, only I know how to edit the videos the way I want to do it. And sure enough, like the first submissions he sent me, I was like, ah, this isn't really what I was looking for. And I sent her back a couple like tips, things I wanted edited. And then she like sent me the, the edited version. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is 150 times better than anything I've ever made. And the rest was history. I've never edited a video since then. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Awesome. Great advice. Like, yeah, that stuff that you, that you're okay at, but you don't love doing it. And there's going to be somebody better than it, than you are. And like, just get it off your plate. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. And the biggest mindset shift for me was like, you can't expect someone to be better than you right away. But if someone is a professional and even if they're like, even if they're decent at it, Right when you train them how to do the thing that only you think you can do, it's going to take them maybe one or two attempts. And that's usually what prevents people from like, oh, I don't want to outsource my video editing or, oh, I don't want to outsource my podcast editing because, you know, like I like it this certain way. Literally like one or two attempts is all it takes. And then by the third or fourth time, you're going to be like, why in the world did it take me so long to do this? Mm -hmm. So focus on your core competency, which for me is standing in front of the camera and talking about CrossFit. That for me is my core competency. Anything else outside of that is just something that probably should at some point be delegated to someone who's actually a professional at it. So I'm curious. So you said, you know, during that five month period, you were trying to figure out what to do because you have a lot of different interests. Like you were thinking about fishing and I didn't even know they had like fishing competitions. So cool. So like all that kind of stuff. And I know that's, you know, that's something that a lot of people listening have that same situation. They love lots of different, like they have a lot of different interests within Mm -hmm. wellness and beyond wellness. So I don't know, have you, now that you're what, three years, four, three or four years into this business, do you ever have days where you're just like, 
oh man, I really want to talk about something else today other than CrossFit. Of course. Yeah. So when everybody likes to do the whole pursue your passion thing, and then every morning you wake up, you're going to, you know, just spring out of bed and look forward to all the to-do lists that you have for your, you know, incredible lifestyle business. And at least if you have the personality I do, that is false. It is not going to happen that way. Right. And um, I'm sure you can probably agree with me. There's some times where it's just a drag, right? It's, it's work. But as soon as you have the mindset shift of, hey, this thing, right? I love it. It's a passion of mine. And there's some days where I'm, I'm going to like, I won't even be able to sleep. I'm so excited about how excited I am about this particular passion. But at the same time, the people who are successful are able to still get the work done when their motivation juices aren't flowing that day, right? So a book that I really recommend here is basically anything Stephen Pressfield writes, but there's one that's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's called Turning Pro. Mm -hmm. And he just talks, it's a super short, quick, kind of philosophical read, but he just talks about how like a professional gets up and does his work every single day, right? Regardless, it doesn't matter when inspiration strikes. It doesn't matter when he feels like doing it, he's a professional. And if you start treating yourself as a professional, you'll start recognizing the, or you'll start kind of like training yourself to get the work done. It's like every day I have my to-do list and I try to build in these routines. It's like every day I have a, a certain period of time where no one can contact me and I'm getting deep work things done. So that's my encouragement to people is like, if you feel like you're struggling to, you know, find the passion it's really like do what you're good at. And when you can do what you're good at, and that also happens to be something you're you know, pretty passionate about, and you just keep treating yourself like a professional, you keep doing the work. Like, hey, maybe I don't want to shoot a uh, YouTube video this week, but you know what? This is what I do, and I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to ship it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot a video. I'm not going to try to perfect it, but I'm going to overcome this little mental roadblock that says, oh, I don't want to do it today, and I'm going to do it. And then when you start... It's like that discipline is a muscle. And when you start training that muscle, it's going to get stronger. And then eventually you'll find yourself with a heck of a lot more momentum. And at this point, if I wanted to stop wad prep, I couldn't because there's so many other people involved. And it's like it's a real business now that has real employees and and has real money flowing in. And it, now it is a real business. So for me, it's a lot easier to treat it professionally than like this little side gig. Right. So I would just encourage you the sooner you can in your mind, treat yourself as a professional, then uh, it's going to, it's going to go really far. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Ben, like, how do you manage your work? How do you do your to-do list or decide what you're going to focus on? How do you handle that? I feel wildly unproductive at the end of, or at the beginning and end of almost every single day. It's like one of those things I battle with uh, trying to find the ultimate productivity tool or the ultimate productivity routine. But to be quite honest with you, the book that was transformative for me was Deep Work by Cal Newport. And in the book, he pretty much just argues about like the number one critical factor to productivity and just like getting things done on a consistent long-term basis is the amount of hours you spend focused in a deep work, basically, environment. So a lot of people, they'll sit down on their laptop, like even me before this call, I was, you know, like messaging my team and checking email and, you know, spinning a bunch of plates. That is wildly unproductive work. 
And I usually I knock that out in the first hour of my day because I live in Japan. So that's when my team is up. And then when they start going to bed, a lot of them are in the U.S., they start going to sleep. Then I usually block out a a one hour segment where I will turn off everything. My phone will be away. My laptop isn't even connected to Wi-Fi if I don't you know, absolutely need it. And I will do one thing that I've decided to knock out that day. So I literally like this is the one critical action item that if I get this done, it's a productive day and I will do that thing and focus for an hour. And there's sometimes where that hour turns into two hours because I'm like, holy cow. Wow, it's been two hours. Man, I got a lot of stuff done. So that's kind of my productivity tip is just like really be be conscious of actually blocking out time. And when you like for me, when I first read the book, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, I block out time. You know, I'm pretty productive. And then I actually realized how ridiculously unproductive I was like looking at my phone. Oh, okay, no new messages. All right. I'll put the phone back down. Just that little glance will totally derail your productivity. So read that book. Learn how to get super incredibly focused with zero distractions. I'm talking like close your door. Don't let your dogs in. Block out everything. That to me is how I get the most stuff done. And then another little hack that I use is always the I always plan those critical action items the night before. Right. They kind of kind of works out. They kind of like work themselves out in your brain. Like if I'm like, hmm, I need to do this one thing tomorrow. I'll decide that the day before. And I'll decide what time I'm going to start doing that thing. And then I go to bed. And then the next morning, I don't have to sit there and waste an hour of my day figuring out what I want to do. It's like, oh, yeah, last night I already figured this out. I'm going to do this thing today. So that really helps. That Those are kind of the two big, big takeaways there. Mm-hmm. Hugely helpful. Yeah, thank you. I've noticed that too. Like at the end of my workday, I write down, I usually do three things. So I'll write down like the three things I need to do the next day. So it's just sitting right there. So when I sit down to work the next morning, I just do those three things first. Oh man, it frees up your mind so much from having to sort through everything again. So love it. Okay. So we're kind of getting to the end of our interview, but one question I love to end with is if you could go back to when you were just starting your business and give yourself some advice, what would you tell yourself? Hmm. That is a really good question. I went back to the very beginning. I would probably tell myself to go like absolutely all in. Uh, I'd probably give myself the same professional pep talk that I just gave everybody here. I would say, Ben, stop trying to reinvent the wheel. The way that you coach is something people want to hear and the audience is there. Like just get to work, make videos, be consistent, show up every day. And if I had that mindset going into it from the very beginning, I would be significantly ahead of where I am now, because if you look at like how rapidly things have grown over the past, you know, even the past six or eight months, if I had a six or eight month head start, who knows, you know, where am I going to be in in eight months from now? I'd probably already be there now uh, or farther. So it's like once you have this momentum, once you have an idea, attack it and really like attack it, but be consistent and persistent and show up every single day. A lot of people have this, me included, they'll, they'll be really emotional with their decisions. So it's like, oh, I'm going to make videos. And, and I made my videos for a, like a month or so. And then I stopped because I wasn't quote unquote feeling it anymore. And then I came back and then, you know, there was always some ups and downs of consistency. And then finally, it's like, I started treating myself as a professional. I started saying, like I actually am working every single day. I had a specific work schedule. And even if you have a, 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 you know, a quote unquote real job on the side, 
when you get home from it, don't treat this side project like a side project where it's like, yeah, I dabble here and there. It's like, no, block out an hour of time, even half an hour of time, if that's all you have. Block out an hour of time and say, like, this is like, you have to be your own boss. Would you keep paying yourself like, or would you fire yourself based on the amount of productivity <laughs> you, you've had? Um, and that's a really challenging question for to pose to myself. So I guess that would maybe be what I'd say is be like, hey, if you were your own boss right now, would you be happy with your performance? And I would be like, oh, absolutely not. I'm horrible. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, take that and be like, all right, what can I do to be less horrible? It's like, well, if I started treating work or try, started treating this project as a more professional endeavor, I could probably shape myself up a little bit. And that's that's what I did. And that's what I would have wished to do a little bit earlier. Awesome. That's great. Oh, Ben, it's been great having you here. Thanks so much for sharing all about your story and, and how you've used video and all of that. Can you tell people where can they find you if they want to get in touch, buy your video, buy your products, learn more? Where can they find yeah. you? Yeah. So I have a few different places. Wadprep.com. You pretty much only want to go there if you're a CrossFitter and you actually care about improving your skills on these various, you know, difficult CrossFit movements. Otherwise, especially if you're interested in starting to get the whole video thing going, I would just check out facebook.com slash wadprep or youtube.com slash wadprep or instagram.com slash wadprep. All those, you'll find my page and you can kind of just see what I'm doing and say, hey, how can I make this work for my audience? You know, just kind of pull some some of the ideas and, and see some of the trends that I do and see the consistency in which we post. And if you have any questions, just you know, feel free to, to mention the podcast and, and reach out to me. And yeah, I'd be happy to, to help guide anyone or inspire someone to take action. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ben, for being here. It's been great to talk to you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can find all the links in the show notes at wellpreneur.com. And if you'd like to connect with other wellness entrepreneurs from all around the world, come join us in our free Wellpreneur community group on Facebook. So hopefully we'll see you there. And of course, we'll see you back here very soon with the next episode. 